We are on a mission, a mission to save and revitalize independent pharmacy. On the Catalyst Podcast, we dive into current events that are shaping how pharmacists approach their patients and their businesses. Fuel your passion for pharmacy one conversation at a time. Three, two, one, zero. Ignition. Welcome to the Pet Catalyst Podcast. This, I am Mark Bivens. I am our business development lead. I got Josh Howland with us. He's our clinical lead. And uh, on the line with us, we have uh, Morgan Miller with Alps Pharmacy. She heads up the specialty program there, along with a whole smattering of other things. Um, uh, th- thank you for joining us. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. I'm happy to start my morning talking to two of my favorite Pioneer RX people. How did you get into pharmacy? Kind of let's go down that road and okay, give us the journey there. You want the yeah. true story? Let's, let's, yeah. yeah, the true story for sure. <laughs> so um, my husband and I actually were neighbors growing up. Um, so I moved next to the next door to them when I was about 12 or 13. Uh, and my, my grandmother had always said, to go into pharmacy. She thought that was a good path for me. And it happened that I moved next door to my now husband, whose mom was a pharmacist and he's just a remarkable person. She actually owns the pharmacy, Alps Pharmacy with her husband. And uh, I just admired her and kind of shadowed her throughout um, high school and got a job as a technician after high school, decided, hey, I can do this. The environment fit me and I, was interested in the biochemical aspect of health. So pharmacy was a good fit for me, applied, got into school, and here I am today. Cool. So could you say you got a husband because of pharmacy or you became a (laughs) pharmacist because of a boy? We don't know how that all mixes in, uh, but I'm the only person in his family, he has four sisters, and I'm the only person in healthcare. (laughs) So... Right, because your husband's a, a builder, or he does. Yeah, build- he's a custom home builder, real estate guru. So nothing to do with healthcare at all. Cool. Seems like a, a safe mix. <laughs> yeah, there's no fighting at the dinner table then. That way, um, you got kids, right? You have, uh, if I remember right, a son and a daughter. Am I correct? Yes, my son Anders is six years old, and my daughter Lisa just turned three. I remember last time we talked. I think you guys were like building a house out in the out in the country or on a farm how did that go what's the update there <laughs> we are out on our family farm we call it the family compound his sister lives up the hill from us uh, so it's a fairly large tract it's about a little over 200 acres uh, and we moved out there and we're basically living in an 840 square foot apartment with, with four nice the wow. New York feel with the country uh, yeah. living <laughs> yeah I was not ready to make the decisions on permanence because we're out there forever. We can't, we can't sell. So I didn't have a good mentality on what I want for my forever home, nor could I afford it. (laughs) So (laughs) we're out there living a tiny house out and on some acreage. So did you make it modular so that you can just grow it over time? Yeah. So right now we, we have our garage and then we have our, I call it our apartment because it's, it's super tiny for four people. Um, it's above that. So that will transform into a bonus space or guest house or something. We'll add on to that. 
Josh and I originally were kind of brought in to at least initially start to help with specialty pharmacy. Um, Josh does a lot of clinical design and, and things like that. And, and you and, and, and Melody and the group started a, a specialty arm of Alps um, kind of from the ground up. And, and what were some of the, I guess some of the questions I have, what were some of the leading indicators that, um, that came to y'all's mind that, that made it go, okay, I think this is an opportunity. So, yeah, we, uh, Melody came to me in 2015. I was about a year and a half out of pharmacy school at that point. And she said, I want to start doing specialty drugs. Um, she was always on, you know, the leading edge of where pharmacy was going. And we've always been pretty innovative and adaptable to our environment. And that's why we're still standing today. Um, and so she said, we're going to do specialty pharmacy. You're going to do it. And I said, okay, <laughs> well, let's do it. And uh, we kind of picked out some relationships we already had with some specialists. Like um, we had a hepatitis C doctor we were really close with, gastroenterology. We had some relationships we just pulled and started from. And I mean, those relationships are still there today and we've grown and expanded from that. So it was truly from the ground up grassroots efforts and just relationship building. Nice. Yeah, that was, you know, I guess at this point also, We've known you for four years now, yeah. which is kind of crazy. You might, I think you might be the first pioneer leader that we met and went to go see. Me and you specifically, sure. Yeah. yeah. So you get to be number one on the list. <laughs> <laughs> well, I remember that visit vividly. I thought me and Josh were going to duke it out. <laughs> well, I mean, to be fair, I walked in and you had like 800 folders taped to your wall. It made me pioneer nervous. pioneer wasn't built out yet. Yeah, <laughs> no, that's fair. That's fair. That's fair. What made you kind of, or, or what were some things you guys did with those, those providers that either entrenched you, um, made them aware of, hey, we can really handle all of this? Like, what, what were some of the things you guys did with the providers, at least initially, or, or what you're doing today that might be cool? So the crucial piece that let us succeed was we hired a sales and marketing guy to get out and go call on the doctors. And we really took a fake it till you make it approach. <laughs> so we went on all of the other specialty pharmacy sites, stole their templates for enrollment forms. That was what they were doing at the time. Um, and I did some research on processes and I had to figure out how to do prior authorizations on my own. That was one of the big services specialty that set specialty pharmacies apart. So I really said I have more clinical knowledge than probably the medical assistants that are doing these in the office. I can do this. So I just had some positive self-talks <laughs> <laughs> and we do, we, and we just, we, we did it. And, um, I was set up personally, um, to make things succeed. So I'm a, I'm a builder by nature. So I like to build programs and see them grow. So it took a lot of dedicated time and I was still, trying to figure out as Alps, how could we make this a profitable business model? And I was filling in on the, uh, the retail community side as well. And it didn't take long for me to realize if we're going to truly do specialty, not just specialty at retail, we have to separate it. And so we separated the pharmacies and the processes and the teams and everything. Nice. So you guys are still doing, you know, you've built from hepatitis C to some of the biologics to long acting injectables. Um, of those, what, what's kind of your favorite Morgan's superstar moment? Um, honestly, the wins for me are when I can provide access 
like the cheesy pharmacist side is when I can provide access to a medication for a patient that they're having difficulties with. So, I mean, our turnaround time is less than three days for our clinics. So we get them access fast, we're local, so we can hand deliver. It's way better than any mail order pharmacy. Um, the professional accomplishments for me are winning with manufacturer and payer contracts. So I've been able to get several limited distribution. I've been able to get um, really close relationships with manufacturers that allow us to do what we do. Um, because as we all know, these are all brand name drugs. There's, their reimbursements are terrible. You know, what, what did the manufacturers, I, I guess, like about you guys? What did you guys kind of lead with or how did you impress them or, or get them to trust you can, you can, <laughs> you, you can um, um, dispense their medication while still meeting the requirements they're wanting to, to have the patient, the, the you know, patient experience yeah. and, and all that provider experience is important to them. So when I had uh, our original sales and marketing guy, he was the typical sales and marketing, uh, marketing guy. He had the uh, squeaky wheel gets the oil approach. He was very persistent and he, he was always kind and making deals. And my approach is a little bit more direct. I'm like, I don't have time for this. If you want me to take care of your patients, then this is what's got to happen. And I have all these providers behind me. So I leveraged the support of I was confident in our ability to take care of them quickly. I was confident in our ability to give them the data fields and things they needed. Um, and I was confident that I had support of prescribers behind me. I got you. So it sounds like prescriber leverage was huge, but also being data capable, it sounded like. It, yeah. So they'll throw at me, you know, we've got to have XYZ data fields. And it's, for the most part, not been a problem. There are some things I'm still working out as far as... Uh, manual manipulations they like, mm -hmm. uh, but I, that's probably the thing that um, I'm confident in my ability to get those fields if I need them. Nice. So I, from we see a lot of requests for data feeds here, and all of them are different. So how do you guys kind of manage, all right, every month, here's the 20 things I have to do to this list to make it work? So this is the, one of my biggest rooms for improvement on my technology. I'm making some, some steps there, but honestly, this is kind of old school. I just have my whatever reminder task type program I'm using at the time. And I've, I typically for myself, I'm the one doing it at this point because we're still a small but mighty team. Um, so I kind of take these on, on myself and I just say every first of the month, I'm locking myself in the office and I'm getting these reports out the door. You know, I've talked to some people that have gotten out of, of specialty or transition in some way. You guys have survived longer than diplomat at this point. If you, the, yeah. They were kind of the, the golden goose for, for a minute when that first kind of started a 10 plus years ago, probably. But do you feel like it's still sustainable or, or what things are what changed to make it sustainable for you guys? How have you adapted? We aren't. I don't like to sit fit myself inside the box of we only do specialty meds. Right. Sometimes what I consider a specialty med is more of a specialty management. And what I mean by that, uh, for instance, I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with the drug Spravato, um, but what happened in Missouri, it was a, it was a new medication for in office. Uh, it was a new medication for treatment resistant depression that had to be administered in the office. There's lots of REMS requirements from the manufacturer. Missouri was unique in that we had very specific uh, laws that would not us allow or allow us to deliver it to straight to a prescriber. So 
we just got innovative with our approach and dedicated to take care of those patients. And we were able to, this was a nightmare. <laughs> we had to deliver the medication for, I don't know how many patients at the time of deliver or at the time of their appointment. We couldn't drop it off before. We oh, couldn't wow. give it to the patient. We had to meet them there. But because of our systems, we were able to adapt to do that. And there were times where I said, we're not doing this anymore. This doesn't make sense. But that was one of those things that I approached the manufacturer and we worked something out at that point. So uh, to allow us to keep doing it. Talking leverage, I mean, that was what I was leveraging is if I'm not doing this, nobody in my region will be able to have this medication. Right. Right. That's where I was going. You kind of filled the place where if you didn't do it, there's no one that's able to do it. Right. Same thing with um, uh, Vivitrol for addiction. We had a real gap in our area and we stepped in and we do we work with the prescribers. We provide the injections here um, and we have close relationships with prescribers, with uh, the manufacturer, and we all work as a team to get access to the drug. Right. So I think kind of the, the recurring theme that we've had over the last few years has been you find a way to do something and then your specialty is really just doing things that other people aren't necessarily willing to do, going that extra step, you know, like you're injecting. You were doing long-acting injectables for antipsychotics for a while as well, right? Yeah, and we do those at all our locations. Mm -hmm. We do it at retail. Um, honestly, I don't do them a lot in specialty. I do prescriber office delivery for those. Mm. Um, but being able to bulk those in a weekly package, and then we just tied on our sync adherence program. So we were catching patients that should be coming in that they weren't. So their adherence got better because we were paying attention. So yeah, we just cool. do things that other people won't. No, that makes a ton of sense. I was just talking to to a manufacturer literally a couple of days ago, and they're you know, they show, especially in that space that Josh just talked about, it's usually, you know, they're usually Medicaid, Medicare, um, hard to get a hold of, hard to sometimes um, transient, transient population. And population in general. And, and, and where we told them our pharmacy strengths are is, is, is getting that last mile of care actually done and either coordinating their transportation, getting there or getting out like you're doing, delivering to the, to the clinics that they're in. Um, it, it, it's that part is huge. And it, and they they understood that you know they were they were really mindful of of that piece of it. Um, as far as kind of keep staying on specialty around patient assistance programs and things like that, you guys are doing a ton of coordination around there. Has that landscape changed? It seems like from my conversation with some of the manufacturers, maybe it has, but it, that that's a still a big piece. It is a big piece, and honestly, it's just. It's one of those things I don't like doing on a business side mm -hmm. because we don't we don't gain anything from when a patient has to go straight to the manufacturer to get it, but we view it as a service to our clinics that we provide care for. Um, so I always tell my um, team, especially when there's a new team member, we don't just service patients here. We service clinics because they don't just send us one prescription. They send us their entire clinics worth of prescription. And so that's a service that's had to come along with it. And you get savvy, you start to, um, you know, prepare what, what they're going to ask for and know the channels to go. So we've made it as efficient as possible. Uh, it's something that we're, we're still doing and is needed. We'll always be needed. That's what sets specialty apart. As far as the landscape changing, on my perspective, it's always been hard to get patient assistance. Mm -hmm. um, and I still, I haven't noticed much 
declining on the manufacturer side, um, but the grant programs are always going open and open and close, open and close before you can even get your hands on them. <laughs> Instead of spending all the time on specialty, and I know you, you and I talked about two years ago, I think maybe at Connect, about your interest in functional medicine. So I think you had kind of gone off and tried to start your own thing and doing specialty in functional medicine now. So what's going on there? Yeah, that's still evolving. I mean, functional medicine is the buzzword around independent pharmacies. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we look at it as an opportunity for a revenue stream, but also I think a lot of people are interested in the heart of it, is truly helping these these patients out um, from a natural holistic perspective because you don't get that in the conventional model. So that's where my passion lies. Uh, and so what I've done is I've actually just started a um, a consultation practice uh, bumped up against the specialty pharmacy. I, I named it and branded it a little bit different from my, my own personal decisions, but uh, it's still bumped up. Like right now I'm in my office where I do my consults, but the specialty pharmacy is, you know, right on the other side of the wall. Uh, so it's been, it's nice because the specialty pharmacy is closed door. Uh, so we don't get a lot of walk-in traffic and it's pretty easily managed there. Uh, I'm undergoing some, I guess, more formal training in addition to everything else that's going on, <laughs> you know, to go back to the personal life, I'm director of specialty pharmacy, started a new business, going to school. Also, I'm uh, doing a hybrid homeschool model with my <laughs> nice. son. Yes, understand uh, that. And we're starting an elderberry farm. <laughs> and wait, hold on. Nice. You just kind of glanced over the, we're starting an elderberry farm. Right. Yeah. So we, like, yeah, that, yeah. What are you going to do yeah. with the elder? Are you going to you know, manufacture drugs from the elderberries? I mean, sky's the limit. So, <laughs> so uh, we have that uh, that big farm compound and um, use it. we've always wanted to do something with it. And the, I had the connections to a local elderberry farm through you know my interest in functional medicine and wellness. And I just kind of bumped up with them and said, do you need more acreage? And they said, yeah. I said, I got it. <laughs> <laughs> Give us some context about what functional medicine is, is doing with the patient I guess in conjunction with some okay. pharmacy stuff or not. Sure. So I always, on a personal level, like I was that 12-year-old mixing like vinegar and lemon juice for cleaning products at my house, right. driving my family crazy. Mm-hmm. I always knew deep down in my soul that the exposure to chemicals, toxins, that wasn't natural in a wide sense. Like it, I don't feel like we were designed for that type of exposure. Um and, and I always dabbled in it for my own personal use, but I never had the confidence to really expand it into my professional career. Um, and I never found, uh, uh, you know, up until recently, I never found I could stand behind the over-the-counter products. Like, I didn't believe they were high quality, didn't trust the sources. And so I would hardly recommend a multivitamin that we carried because I didn't, I wouldn't take it myself. I didn't think it worked. Um, so it wasn't until recently that I found the concept um, of functional medicine. And I honestly can't remember where it was, but I know I was a part of a functional medicine pharmacist group um, in, on Facebook that transformed everything. And what it takes is everything I believed and knew internally and gave me the evidence to back it up. So knowing that what we put in and on our body and that what we're exposed to can affect us on a level that is so microscopic, and then that all systems are interconnected. 
So just because you have allergies doesn't mean there's something wrong with just your nasal passages and sinuses. There can be um, there can be widespread gut issues. You could have some sort of you know bacterial mold overgrowth. So connecting all of those things, it's so fun because it's a problem solver. Sure. So you're taking what's the on the surface level and listening to the other things they're telling you and say, all right, I know that those don't sound connected to you, but they're all connected to me. And here's what we're going to do and make a plan. So I, I can add a little bit of your um, things to your list to do now. I'm reading this book by Bill Bryson. Uh, it's called The Body. And Bill Bryson's written a couple of some of the best books ever written, but he goes into this really deep detail. And um, the first couple of chapters are about like the microbiome and all of the things that live inside of you and really kind of taking, like putting a, a, a picture of how many bacteria and things live and work in your body that you don't think about that, you know, when you take an antibiotic, you kill bad stuff and good stuff. Um, and he was kind of going over some of the, the information that some of the research now is leading to believe that you taking antibiotics over courses and say like your average adults taking 20 to 50 rounds of antibiotics by the time they're an adult, um, you've killed off good bacteria. And the scary part is some of those never recover. Um, and he's talking about the, some of the research now is indicating that say my daughter inherited some of the bad bacteria that I have because I've killed off all of the good ones over the last 37 years. Um, it, it's really crazy, like super, super cool writing, but like just reading that chapter, you're like, oh, I wish I'd taken less antibiotics when I was less, younger. Less liberal about it. Yeah, and we 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 grew up, we're about the same age, you know, in the 90s where you got a sniffle and you got an antibiotic, especially if your mom called the doctor after hours, my mom, hello. <laughs> right. Um, I was on so many antibiotics. Um, then you throw in other, if we're talking about the microbiome, there's just so many other things, you know, stress. So I'm really focused on stress. Everyone's in this COVID world. Every single person I talk to has some sort of level of stress or anxiety, whether it's work-related, home-related, that relays to your gut and your ability to even absorb nutrients. So now, not only you're stressed, you're malnourished because you can't absorb anything, and so you can't feed your body what it needs on a chemical level to deal with the stress. So do you feel like paying teachers more now that you're doing functional medicine and part-time teaching? I was, all, I always thought teachers were underappreciated <laughs> right, right. and underpaid. Yes. I've got a few friends who have always been like, uh, you know, it'd be fun to be a teacher. And I kind of had like that, some like crazy idea of if I were independently wealthy, I would want to teach like high school history. And then, um, after seeing all of my friends who have got kindergarten, first grade kids and they're like, mm -mm, never again. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> but what, what are some of the consultations that you guys are kind of targeting and, and, and impairing with whatever the patient. So on, if I can be, you know, honest, that's one part I've struggled with personally is blending my roles. So I'm not actually targeting my existing patients. Gotcha. So uh, for a couple reasons, number one, I need to do it. I need to make, take time to do it. Um, also I'm only cash-based consults. Right. So a lot of my patients are low income. Like they're not even paying their dollar co-pays mm -hmm. at this time. Um, but the another component is I'm really gauging my relationships with my clinicians. And I've been putting feelers about how they feel about what I'm doing. Honestly, most of them are educated and on board about it. They just don't have the time. 
to do it. So I've talked to one of my rheumatologists about um, cutting out gluten mm -hmm. for patients. And like he, he sees the struggle in his office. He's like, I don't have time or capacity to talk to them about that. I'm like, well, if you have a patient who's dedicated to make those changes, refer them to me. And I am getting referrals. Um, it's not coming from my existing clinicians, though. It's coming with my, from my relationships in the community with uh, different primary care doctors. Right, right. So, so uh, if I got a patient, I haven't. Go ahead, go ahead. Sorry. I haven't blend. I haven't blended specialty and what I'm doing on the functional approach as much as I need to. There's definitely opportunity. I'm dealing with autoimmune disorders in the specialty mm -hmm. uh, pharmacy. Right. That's where you can make so much impact from an inflammation control in the body by what you're putting into it. Uh, but I've just, I've done a poor job of it. I could really expand on yeah, that. I, I, so just sitting here thinking about it, I realize I know nothing about, like I know how to eat to get <laughs> bigger, <laughs> like I, you know, like, <laughs> or to build muscle, yeah, I guess, I'm to a degree. At I'm really good bigger. at that. Um, but I, I honestly am so stupid uh, when it comes to like what you put in your body to make you either feel good or or pizza to, yeah to <laughs> fix an, another problem like with either stress or like you're talking like inflammation or or any of that stuff so i i can see where just getting patients educated c could help at least start that roadmap to either lowering an a1c or lowering um hypertension you know reducing right. hypertension and things like that yeah i mean it's weird when i came from renal care we had dietitians on staff at all the dialysis facilities and i didn't quite right. understand why and then you realize that like you know morgan and i went to pharmacy school doctors went to you know eight to 12 years of of medical training and most of us get almost no nutritional education um and you know right in college, we learned how to poison our bodies with burritos and pizza and things like that. And I'm still pretty good at that part. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, uh, well, Mark, I'll send you a link for a consult session. <laughs> that works. First one's free. Okay. <laughs> so as you bring that up, how are you doing that right now? Are you doing that in person still or are you doing it Zoom? I do both. So that was an another thing that I saw within both spaces. So going with, you know, COVID in the pharmacy space, I wasn't open door anyway. My practices didn't really change. I had to change some of my delivery practices as far as um, no contact delivery. That was easy compared to what retail pharmacies had to deal with. Um, and then in my consultation space, honestly, I was already set up to go virtual. It actually um, streamlined it a little bit more for me because people were more willing to go virtual. I prefer it. Um, I, I love having face-to-face -face conversations but I think it expands, um, you know, people can have a consult with me after working hours mm. if I need to. I don't have to go in the pharmacy. I can just set up at home and talk to them. So it's been nice. So, so using that to transition a little bit, we always try to like, we've been talking a little bit about COVID in general and what the impact was it, as far as everyone's unique situation. You, you already kind of described specialty didn't change a ton. It's just the delivery aspects and, and the fulfillment, fulfillment aspect yeah. kind of changed. How's your retail settings? What, what in, in your environment, in your community with COVID? Uh, um, um, they obviously were impacted heavily as far as their processes um, and just recapping, uh, our community pharmacist did a great job of managing it so I didn't have to worry about it. 
<laughs> so, um, I mean, they extended their hours a little bit to have some downtime to clean. Um, they offered more widespread delivery with the same uh, measures. We had a drive-through already. I think they did some curbside pickup. Um, I think in, in the end, we're going to look back and it strengthened our processes. So they, uh, and it helped that I was already familiar with a lot of the in-depth capabilities of Pioneer as far as documentations and systems, because we, we started to apply some of those into community retail, what, which we wanted to do for a long time. Uh, but this kind of forced us to make those movements. So we have like a call center environment for retail, which is really cool. And um, all the calls, instead of going to the pharmacy floor, they go back to the call room. So we have about two to four girls back there fielding all the phone calls on a high volume store, which has made all the difference on production. Um, and then also it really set us up for the next step. Unfortunately, we had a area farm, uh, independent pharmacy that had like 22 stores over the area uh, just closed its doors didn't even keep locations, only they just sold out to one of the big box chains. And so obviously we were getting flooded with those patients wanting a new independent pharmacy. So we were able to set up shop with my closed door pharmacy, you leverage some of our state laws and be able to take care of those patients here. Nice. Without me filling those prescriptions. Right, yeah, man, that's cool. Yeah, you know, after the last few podcasts, one of the kind of things that kind of generally just keeps popping up is I'll do the things that other people won't do. Yeah. I'm going to go leverage my community relationships and you got to have cool people. A formula the big box chains usually can't yeah. replicate. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> the, the missing component from the, uh, the, the random retail. Um, I want to take it back to food for a second. Um, when we talked about three or so years ago, you mentioned that you didn't like Tex-Mex. Um, is, is still, that changed? He's holding on to this. I, I, I do hold a grudge. <laughs> um, well, it's because I haven't made it down there for you to show me real okay. text messages. Okay, so at least you're, you're open to that. I live in the that. middle of the country. I, I, yeah, we were in Springfield, and you said, I don't like Tex-Mex. It's not good. And then you followed that up with, I've never been to Texas. So I, 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 I kind of... <laughs> well, they're going to start fighting again. Like, guys. it hurt me fundamentally. <laughs> like, I'm about 40% burrito right now. <laughs> If you are what you eat, well, right? Yeah. I will. I will go back on that statement. And my version of Tex-Mex is, um, what's that like? Chain, big chain restaurant that it basically has Texas and Mexican in the name, south of the border. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. Oh, that, yeah. Let's leave yeah. it at that. <laughs> that. That may not be the that right explains one. Explains everything like you need that. to know. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. So I was just like, <laughs> I don't like that smoky chipotle flavor that I find is attributed to Tex-Mex, I guess. I'm That's more fair. of a, like, I want more like, of a bland a Midwestern cumin garlic. Oh, okay. Yeah, <laughs> I like it. All right. Well, and cilantro, tons of cilantro. Right. Josh has got to let it go. I, I, I got to let it go, but it's just, <laughs> I'm going to have to get you to come to Texas and actually eat real food here. I, I hear you enjoy I know you're outdoorsy in general, national parks. Oh, it's, if we're going on a family vacation, it's to a national park. Oh, really? Like, okay. All right. I cannot convince my husband to get an RV or else we would be traveling the entire United States with an RV <laughs> going to all the national parks. <laughs> nice. So what's your favorite national park so far? Um, a couple different ones. 
uh, for different reasons. I was going to say, she probably I, so has I categories. To, I haven't, <laughs> yeah, I haven't been to, you know, a, a widespread. We did, uh, after we got married, before we had kids, we did a um, Western tour. We went up uh, through the Black Hills over uh, in Badlands over to Yellowstone. And that was awesome. So that was like a two-week journey. But... Um, I will say my favorite has just been the magnitude of Glacier Park. And when we were there, we went up into Canada to Banff. And that was just amazing. Uh, but we also recently went to, uh, um, well, I guess I don't know if it's a national park or not, to Kauai. And the, what is that? Uh, I'm drawing a blank on the name of, you know, the big coast, Nepali Coast. Okay. Which isn't really a national park. But that was amazing for for different reasons so i love the mountains i love nature i love things bigger than me i love quiet uh <laughs> is Kauai yeah. the big island is that no it's small that's where jurassic park was okay gotcha this was so, the smaller so we took one. like a helicopter tour and they like played jurassic park theme song and it was awesome my husband <laughs> was like throwing up in a, a bag yeah. but i was loving it <laughs> I, I, i'd be in the category with your husband there I, I... yeah uh, we just went back to where Estes Park. We've been there like three years, three times in five years because it's close to us. It's close. It's easy yeah. to get to. Yeah. Um, and I just did one of the hikes, I think it was Sky Pond, where we had to climb a waterfall. And that was pretty awesome. Oh, that That's is cool. cool. We had a, we had a, <laughs> he's going to hate me for telling the story. Uh, we had a sales <laughs> guy um, do the, uh, or, or attempt the, I think it's Long's Peak Hike there in Colorado, which is supposedly like the most difficult climb you can do. And literally three quarters of the group made it to the base camp and couldn't even go the rest of the top. But he said it was like one of the toughest things he ever did. But he did go through, I think he went through Estes Park too. I've been to Estes Park. It's beautiful. So you have any plans to do like the, the Appalachian Trail? I would love to. I have not dabbled into overnight I'm more of a low maintenance hiker. Like I like day <laughs> hikes because I don't have to pack oh, them, like you. pack a heavy backpack, and I get to go home to a hot shower and I can go eat like an elk medallion. <laughs> so I'm more into glamping. Yeah, I'm, I, yeah. <laughs> I'm a I'm a glamper as well. When I was younger, I was a camper. I could be a camper, but I yeah, I am a glamper. I, I used to camp all the time when I was younger, and I, I made the mistake of um, taking my wife camping when we were maybe just married. Um, in, in Texas around Halloween, it's either like 95 or like 45. And so we left that day and it was like 80. We went up about two hours. We were going to camp, do some hiking. Um, and we took our dogs with us. And that night it dropped to like 29 degrees. So she froze and the dogs were unhappy. It was the last camping trip we did together. Everything else has been like, if it's not a cabin or a hotel, it's just not happening. <laughs> Yeah, there's definitely my poor husband cannot take a vacation because like at six, I'm like, we're waking up at four. We're going to be on the trail by five. You, you have a full itinerary <laughs> planned. Yeah, it's terrible. He's like, I just want to go to the beach. I'm like, I can't do it. I feel trapped in those resorts. Yeah. So that's why we went. That's why we did go to Kauai because it's the best of both worlds. Yeah, you could have both. So. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's in a compromise. That makes sense. Yeah, except I was miserable at the pool. I was just sitting there like reading hiking books. Saying, Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> figuring out what you're doing next yeah 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 i understand that i need some therapy <laughs> it's understandable i do the same my uh my wife and i did the last vacation we went to hawaii we basically did two vacations the first couple of days i got to plan stuff and the last couple of days she got to plan things 
So we did like five activities in three days and then one activity in the last three days. And her activity was just hanging out on the beach. I was like, you probably did it with more grace than I did. <laughs> no, so I'm also competitive. So I decided that I was going to out relax her just to prove a point. <laughs> so like I literally laid on the beach doing nothing against all of the fiber of my being just to prove that I could. I need these tips next time. Right. Get competitive <laughs> just, about it. Just remember, it, it's, it's an actual competition that if they're going to be relaxing, you got to relax better than everybody else. And the problem is I don't like drinking alcohol that much. So, like, I don't like going to the resorts with all the fruity drinks. I just, I don't like them. And I prefer... This is so crunchy of me. I prefer kombucha in a wine glass. And nobody has kombucha <laughs> yeah, on those resorts. I would agree with you. There's a reason for that. <laughs> Just shaking his head. <laughs> kombucha in a wine glass. Yes. No judgment. That's worse than telling me you don't like burritos. No judgment. No judgment. I do like burritos. Actually, I don't eat them that often. I'm more into a bowl. Makes sense. But me too. Yeah, I mean, that's because we're trying not that's to be fat I'm as we get older. I'm 37 now and not 22. 22-year-old <laughs> Josh wrapped everything in a tortilla. <laughs> Agree. Well, I'll say this. The common theme of every one of these I've done, Morgan, is you make me feel like I'm not doing enough. You have an elderberry sourcing opportunity slash farm, a real farm. Um, you're homeschooling slash pharmacy and doing functional medicine all at the same time. So, um, man, you gave us a lot to think about. No, do not do not do what I do. Uh, <laughs> my husband gets the tears. <laughs> Fair enough. I got gotcha. you. That's what we're there for, right? Well, yeah. You again. You gave us a ton to think about. Thank you so much for being on with us. Um, yeah, and hopefully next year we can travel again and. We'll see you at Connect and get some other weird ideas that your your elderberry farm is now producing pharmaceutical grade elderberry flowers or Yeah, maybe maybe I'm gonna be a vendor at next oh, year's yeah. show. Oh, look at that. I like it. You got speaker, <laughs> attendee, vendor. All right. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. Morgan, thank you so much. All right. Take care. All right. I my pleasure, guys. All right. We'll see you. See you. Thank you for listening to this Catalyst podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider liking, subscribing, and or following us. Give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts to help us reach more amazing pharmacy people like you. Follow PioneerX on your preferred social media platform for the latest up-to-date pharmacy news and content.